You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm our Circle of Hope pastor that meets on South Broad Street in Philly, um, usually, but we have this pastor switch every quarter so that we can be a part of the whole body that we are. And today we're kicking off this series um, called Someone Asked, where every week um, we want to talk about a question that we're actually asking as a church. And today is a little bit different because you can ask any question in this meeting and we're going to try to answer it together. Um, I'm So you're not just asking me. I certainly don't know everything. <laughs> um, I'm really relying on the Holy Spirit to speak to us every time we get together. And I, I see that every time we get together as a church, whether like in a small group like cells or a meeting like this. Um, God is revealed. Uh, so, what's your question this morning? Um, is there something that has been on your mind? It can, it, it could run the gamut. I mean, if it's really too much for me, I will say, I can't, I don't know, or talk to Ben later. <laughs> Who's your favorite person on the trans historical blog? Oh, wow. Tell us what that is, too. <laughs> um, oh, there's so many. Uh, I'm going to talk about the one who's on there today. The Trans Historical Blog is one of one of our um, blogs on circleofhope.net, and it's where we compile um, Jesus followers who have come before us that we want to keep learning from. And so we look at their life and their writings and their experience, and we we take encouragement from their walk. And Claire of Assisi is up there today, and she is one of my absolute favorites because she um, is Italian, like me, and um, she found Jesus through St. Francis when she was just a teenager, and she was... uh, the daughter of a really wealthy Italian family. This is back in like the 11 or 1200s. And she was the oldest, like me, in her family. And her parents had, you know, dreams of her being very proper and traditional. And instead, she met Francis of Assisi, who was like um, surrendering his entire life to Jesus, which meant like dismantling the traditions of the Catholic Church at that time that was just about religion and hierarchy and statehood. And um, he was starting a radical community of Jesus followers that were living in poverty and um, like spreading the gospel, spreading the love of Christ. And so she wanted to... Um, she had a heart con- heart-to-heart connection with God... Um, and wanted to live that life. And so she she ran away. She let Francis baptize her. Um, it was like, it was like scandalous. Um, and she ended up 
like her father, of course, came after her, like still happens in many countries around the world. Um, but she stuck to her convictions and she started a community of um, Jesus followers for women and they just took care of the poor, the sick and the poor for the rest of their lives. Um, and I got to see, I got to go to Italy this year and see um, her convent where she did this with her sisters and they, they like were extremely disciplined. Like they, they slept on these um, mats of sticks and they wore no shoes and they ate no meat. Um, they just tried to live as simply as they could, but they, they were so joyful about it. And this is how I know it's the spirit of God because this wasn't like another form of religion they were inventing. It was like they were so filled with love uh, for each other and anyone they were able to take in. So, Claire of Assisi. Donna. Man, I love that question, Donna, because the um, what's what sticks out to me most about our map this year is this desire to revitalize the cell movement, and I feel so strongly about that personally because I have really seen God work through these small groups that we call cells because people actually get to know each other and share life together, like you guys were talking about. Um, and this is the heart of our movement. And I think it's, it's becoming harder in our culture to, to do it and even more necessary because people are more and more isolated and just kind of enslaved to their jobs and other responsibilities. So to have this commitment of getting together every week with people who might annoy you or trigger you or whatever is a radical thing. But there's this opportunity there to like, for the gospel to really spread like wildfire. To be, It's that, I, cells are like that mustard seed, I think, that can grow into this like massive bush that just kind of, um, takes over. Um, what I mean by that is, is through love, through people actually loving each other. So in our map, we, we came up with a couple ideas about how to revitalize the cell movement. And it's going to look different for each group. Each group gets to decide, you know, what does renewal look like for us? Because cells are these organic things. It's not like a program of the church where the leadership is saying, this is what all the cells have to do. It's like the people, the spirit of God is in us as the people. And we're going to listen to like what, what our cell needs. Um, so some cells I think are going to really push toward multiplication by September 1st. Um, I know that's happening. 
I'm going to try, we're going to try to multiply the cell that I'm a part of. Um, some cells are kind of realizing they don't have enough gravity with the people that they've got, so they're going to close and go into other cells to help them. And some cells are getting some new ideas uh, about what they're, they're going to do together, um, ways to connect to different people. Um, I just heard about a possible multiplication where one crew is going to talk about uh, radical discipleship around money. People want to um, learn how they can live more simply and share more money. So cells can cut, could kind of take like a focus area and do something like that. Um, the sky's the limit. So it's like a time of listening here in August about how we're going to, how this cell renewal by September 1st is really going to happen. Is that happening in, in, in the cells? Are, are people talking about this? Are you Stevie and Stevie? That's amazing. and covenant what could be better that's a good I think that's a really good idea I think my cell struggles with that too and I might might steal that Sarah Um, I have another question Mm -hmm. so I am I read this book last year I don't remember the name of it Um, it's about the spiritual journey and kind of different stages of of spiritual development that Christians often encounter throughout their lives. Um, and, you know, some of them seem kind of dark. Like, um, what do they call it? The, um, dark night of the soul? Yeah. And so I was wondering, like, as a pastor who needs to kind of pull from your um, soul, if you will, every day, um, if not really every week, because I mean, you're so authentic to me, it seems. And um, I'm wondering, like, how do you, how do you, like, maintain kind of your faith in order to be able to do that? Wow. Just like the way faith works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, the poles of, like, everyday life, like, kind of pulls us away from that center. Totally. Um, I think it's really hard, personally. 
Um, and without a team of other pastors, I, I talk to a lot of pastors who are, who feel really alone. And I, and my, my personality is totally prone to that. So one of the things that helps me is being on a team with other pastors, um, which is why I love that we're organized like this. Um, where we get vulnerable with each other and challenge each other to like and pay attention um call each other back to our disciplines and just kind of love each other in ways that that we really need that that um you know that we can't we can't look to others for you know, to provide that insight and challenge. So that helps me. And um, I think just noticing the, like, even our worship time here together this morning was so meaningful to me because I continue to notice the ways in my life that I fall back to, like, relying on myself and my my patterns of brokenness that Jesus keeps trying to, like, save me from but I will even though he has totally saved me I will keep going back there without the um this listening to this call to keep coming home and actually relying on the spirit to do this work and to 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 be my to keep growing into my real self um so it's a really daily thing. Like, the, I know there's things that I have to do that make me more tuned in. And there's things that I have to stay away from that make me less tuned in. I know that's different for all of us, but I don't think it's easy. I do think Jesus keeps calling us, calling to us, though, where we're at. And that, that continues to amaze me. Like, oh, wow, you see me, you see me in my mess and you keep reaching out, you know, through a variety of means and you want me to become my full self and you want me to share with others. Does that help at all, Sarah?
I guess it's a good problem to have, but sometimes I'm like, man, there's a lot there, and I don't even know. Like, say, like, you've got, like, okay, i got five, ten minutes a day, like, where I want to, like, find something, read something, meditate something. What would you, where would you recommend going, like, practically with that five, ten minutes a day? Because um, I, like, I always struggle to, like, I grew up around the Bible, I went to Christian school, so for me the Bible is kind of like a textbook. Um, because it was taught like a textbook, so I really struggle just to like open up the Bible and read something and actually have to read something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I do better with like, you know, a Bible passage, but then something written about it, or just something with like questions to make you think. So where would you recommend going with that five to ten minutes a day? Because there's like a, like the way Jesus thing is like great, but that's a whole lot. Yes. Like, so that's like I feel like I need like a week of vacation to like pour through that. At least. Um, and so. Yes. I would recommend the Wind Daily Prayer blog. Um, it does give you a, a little bit of scripture there in the beginning, but if 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 you want to skip over that, if the Bible is just too triggering, that's okay. You can go right to the More Thoughts for Meditation and then the suggestions for action. And that that Wind Daily Prayer blog, I think, um, provides like foundation in a in a more like space spacious theology. Um, so it helps me like connect in some basic ways that we're trying to do that as a church together. It calls me out of my aloneness into community. And um, if you have more than five minutes, then I would go to the water blog because that's um, individual writers among us that are providing something like extra. Um, And some days it feels like not extra. It feels like exactly what I needed to hear. Um, But I think those two daily prayer blogs for me are great for like five minutes. I need some soul food. Pat. Uh, in our cell, we've been, uh, we've been uh, telling our, um, we've been reading our favorite Jesus stories. So we're kind of going through the Gospels, and uh, each each of us has maybe a story or two that they've heard or that they feel meaningful. So we'll read them together and then we'll kind of talk about it for half hour, um, which has been fun, kind of sort of you know recalling or. Uh, choosing, you know, a handful of stories about Jesus or his teachings, parables, or whatever. Uh, and I'm curious, do you have one? Is there one that, like a moment in the Gospels or a Jesus parable or a story that, that is just what you might call favorite news? Wow, that's such a good question. Um, I think one of my favorites is one that Jamie and I were talking about this morning where... Um, the woman with the issue of blood touched... Wait, that's not a parable. That's an actual story. Okay, no, no. Let me, let me find a parable. I'm going to go with the prodigal son um, because uh, I see... You guys know this story, right? The two brothers. The one um, takes the inheritance and goes and squanders it. The older brother is there, like, with the father, working the fields, being real faithful. Um, 
the father is this amazing figure in this story because he is um, not just not just waiting for the the younger son to come home, but he's running down the path like ready to embrace this kid without doesn't even let him like finish his apology and the older brother and this might be my favorite part because i probably relate to this older brother he he's feeling resentful and lost and the dad comes out of the party and finds the older brother where he's at and um I just find that, like, I I need to remember that the father, my father, is actually looking for me like that wherever I am, not with condemnation, (laughs) but, like, total, like, delight. Like, I'm here. I'm here for you. We are together. We are a family. Let's do this. Let's enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah. That, but parables, I love that you're doing parables in your cell because Jesus, they're purposefully, I think, so so weird and open to interpretation because we're supposed to wrestle with them and find ourselves in them, you know, in our own circumstances. There's, no, there's really no um, right or wrong answer, I think, with the parables. He, he told them in such a way that we would struggle and, and find ourselves in each story. You're a good pastor, Pat. Rob. One of the things that I found, I don't know, this like, drew me into Circle of Hope and it's kept connected. It's just the uniqueness in the way that we approach community. Um, both in like, you know, like larger community, like meetings like this, or different congregations coming together, or just ourselves, or relationships that we form with one another in the neighborhoods. I was wondering if you might be able to share like a story, either of your own or something you've over like seen happen where like joy just kind of like sprung up out of like an unexpected thing and maybe also something you could share about like hardship because it's not the intentionality is not it's constantly oppressing us in some Yeah. Well, Rob, I'm going to talk about our first cell. My my first experience as a cell leader was with Rob as my apprentice in Philly um, before you came to Jersey. And I had two little kids at home, and um, but I was feeling this kind of... I was so happy to be a stay-at-home mom and like just kind of in my neighborhood, not having a boss, just cooking for my neighbors, hanging out with my kids all the time. But I started to feel this, like, rumble, holy rumbling. This, um, it, it felt kind of like a discontent, but, like, in a good, motivating way. And so Rob and I were on a worship team together, and I knew, like, he was really committed to, like, living in the neighborhood, and loving people around him. Uh, so I was like, dude, you want to start a cell? And we, we did, and we, we, um, we had some wild experiences. <laughs> um, like, we, 
not everybody who came to the meetings, um, you know, ended up really being able to connect, but we created the environment for that to happen every week, and um, it was fun, and I think we saw some transformation. I can't remember, Rob. Did that sound multiply? I think so. And you became a cell leader, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then a moment of a moment of joy. Or wait, that was the moment of joy. I think the moment of hard. Like, um, something hard that like maybe you didn't want to do it. Like God speaking through the community, kind of like carried you into or carried someone into like a space that was not necessarily welcome at first, but like, where God was still present, moving and transforming lives. Hmm. We had we had a moment in my cell recently where um, there was a conflict, like in the meeting, like somebody really offended somebody, and um, the offended person started crying and like couldn't stop in the meeting, and uh, we kind of came we came around her and. And started praying. Like one of my cellmates is grew up in Africa, and she started even praying in an African language. And it just kind of like called us to, okay, God is here. This is really painful right now. We don't really know what just happened or how to fix it, but we're going to ask God for help right now in this moment. And um, both of those people kind of, took a couple weeks but they both kind of stayed in the orbit and um are working it out and i think i think that too just that fact alone that we could like not have to like cut each other off and like bounce off is a unique thing about jesus and the church what are the spiritual what are the spiritual gifts? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Um, they are they are gifts that are given to us by God, by God's grace, that are beyond our internal stuff that we've been born with or we got from our family of origin. They are beyond um, other gifts and identities that the world might give us and so I that's why I'm glad we're doing this exploration this month because I think uh, most of us don't know enough about what those gifts are that will take that take that test that Ben um, is putting on you know on our phones um, there's like what 30 20 something in, in Paul's letters, there's like 26 that are listed, but I, we don't think that's an exhaustive list. There might be more that we are still discovering, but I think the key is that they are they're a little bit beyond us. They're, they're a gift from God, and the purpose of them is to build up the body. I think that's how you know it's a spiritual gift is you can't just use it for yourself. It's The purpose is to be shared and for the building up the strengthening of the body of Christ, the church, which is us.
This is great. I think we have time for one or two more. Jamie. I would love just to hear your experience or perspective on being a Christian in the world, in America, even in Philadelphia, metropolitan area, with, and you're a very smart, educated, grounded person, but when you share your faith or, you know, people just find out about your Jesusness, and they're really smart and educated, and they just kind of think you're a weirdo. <laughs> how do you, how do you manage that, or how do you, like, even keep relationship with them? even if, like, they're feeling kind of an elitistness towards you, like, mm-hmm. patronizing, or not to even reverse it, like, where you feel like you have the right answer and they're off the mark. Like, how do you keep that going? That's a good one. Um, because there are so many different kinds of people in the, in the city in particular, but even here in Jersey, um... I try to focus on that person and get to know them and where they where they are at. So if I can understand the other person a little better and make a connection, I think there's more chance, you know, that will break down some of those barriers and they'll get they'll get the Jesus in me in spite of all the other stuff that could be a barrier. Um, so I think really focusing on that that person and trying to get to know them and how they work, which is totally what you do, Jamie. <laughs> it's a lot of perseverance and patience even with ourselves. Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Because we get, get in our own way a lot and... You know, I know I say dumb things and I do dumb things and it. I need to try and repair that sometimes. But I think that coming back to that, that focus on that, the other person and trying to understand is probably the way of Jesus. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.